If you're struggling to attract new staff or your team is experiencing burnout, pick up your phone and call Guardian Vets. Through virtual team solutions like after-hour triage, daytime virtual receptionists, callbacks, and telemedicine, Guardian Vets can help you have happy staff, happy clients, and a thriving business. Go to www.guardianvets.com and check Veterinary Success Podcast in the Where Did You Hear About Us section to get a free consultation and receive 50% off your first month of service. Don't wait. Check out guardianvets.com now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Veterinary Success Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Douglas, and I'm excited that you're here. And with that, we're going to jump into this week's podcast here in just a second. We're going to hit up our sponsors that help make the show possible. There's lots of companies that I believe in that I think help veterans across the board, whether it's find a job, hire talent, become more efficient in their practice, all those things, right? So these sponsors mean a ton to me. So I know a lot of people will fast forward or skip through them. But if and when you're looking for help and some of the solutions they offer, I would highly, highly encourage you to check them out. And so with that, no further ado, jump into the ads and we'll get right into the show. So thank you for listening and uh, enjoy. We all know as a practice owner, one of the last things you want to think about is tax planning and strategizing for your practice. In addition, the long list of tasks on your radar, it's really hard to do everything. You have to find a trustworthy team of experts that understands unique and specific needs within veterinary medicine. My suggestion would be my friends at Granite Peak Associates. Granite Peak is an advanced tax planning and veterinary practice advisory firm who has spent many years working within VetMed. Their team works year-round to make sure you're able to maximize your profitability while also minimizing your liabilities. Whether you're in the process of purchasing a practice, looking to grow your practice, or transitioning towards the sale of your practice, they are the experts to help guide you through. What makes them different than other firms is their devotion to proactive tax planning. By thinking into the future and creating long-lasting relationships with their clients, Granite Peak can help minimize the amount of taxes paid over the course of many years to come. Head over to their website, granitepeakcpa.com, to receive a personalized comparison of your practice financials against over 140 other hospitals that they've worked with. You'll be able to see how your practice ranks, where you stack up, and where the opportunities are to get better. From there, you can schedule a one-on-one call with one of the members of their team to review and analyze your results. The opportunity speaks for itself. You need someone on your side. Granite Peak Associates is that team. Take advantage of their innovative expertise within the veterinary industry. If you're struggling to attract new staff or your team is experiencing burnout, pick up your phone and call Guardian Vets. Through virtual team solutions like after-hour triage, daytime virtual receptionists, callbacks, and telemedicine, Guardian Vets can help you have happy staff, happy clients, and a thriving business. Go to www.guardianvets.com and check Veterinary Success Podcast in the Where Did You Hear About Us section to get a free consultation and receive 50% off your first month of service. Don't wait. Check out guardianvets.com now. Finding a job or finding a veterinarian shouldn't be a waste of time. Enter an offer first. Paul Diaz and team have created something really special with Offer First. Some of my favorite reasons are as follows. Candidates and employers will both have values aligned on the first step, not the last. The sign-up process, quick and simple, no resume required. So if you're looking for a job, but you aren't really sure, it's as easy as scrolling on Zillow for a home. And finally, if you have a great match, it's based on your each unique requirements, not random keywords. If you want to learn more, listen to episode 170. 
nine with Paul Diaz. We cover all of that. The other exclusive great thing that you're going to get from this ad read and from Paul is I convinced him to give an exclusive discount to listeners of this podcast. So for owners, you're getting a 20% discount on both the placement of any candidate, but also access to the platform. Use VSP if you go to offer first or the easiest way is a link in the show notes. So check it out. Associates, those looking for a job, same thing. Use the link in the show notes. Use VSP if you go directly to offer first. But I will donate and Paul will donate to a veterinary nonprofit of your choosing. So each person that signs up gets a vote. Your votes actually count, which is incredible. And so I'll be reaching out. I will handle that. But there's going to be a donation made for any associate or any job seeker that adds on the platform. We want to make sure that not only does the platform help to make sure that you find a better fit, better culture, better role, but it's also doing good in veterinary medicine. Okay. So link in the show notes is going to take you to offer first. It's going to automatically apply that, but also use code VSP if you go to offer first directly. And offer first is changing the game of veterinary recruiting. I want each and every one of you to benefit from it. So check them out today. Find out for yourself why my friends at Shepherd Veterinary Software are the fastest growing practice management software. They're doing something right. Founded by Dr. Cindy Barnes, Shepherd is an intuitive, easy to learn, streamlines practice management. Built for vets, by vets, it works for you and your team so you have more time to spend on what's most important, your patients. Shepherd automatically updates the medical records, adds services to the invoice, generates discharge instructions, and so much more. Bring home more stories and less stress. Check them out at shepherd.vet. Again, that's shepherd.vet. All right, back again, and I'm super excited for today's guest. We had a, a long conversation that was really fantastic a while back, and then just getting times and recording and time zones make it tricky. But today I'm joined by a special guest, Dr. Jessica Puchetti Hoffman. Dr. Jessica is a veterinarian on a mission to provide all pets with holistic pet care and pet parents. Her journey has included finding some health care on the human side that was super impactful for your family, which I know we'll probably get into a little bit, and kind of taking that and bringing it into vet med. And with that, Jessica, thank you for being here. Really excited for today's conversation. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited as well. Lots of different ways I feel like we can go from the top, but there was a term on social media that you had that I really liked, and it was an integrative veterinarian. So I read that. I have my own interpretation. How would you describe that? And why is that an important definition? Yeah. So I think that's truly the key to all medicine, to be completely honest with you. I think if you just say you are a veterinarian, then you are just saying you've been trained in allopathic medicine and that's all you know, and you're not willing to branch out or look at other modalities and be more open. If you say you're just a holistic veterinarian, then you're less willing to, this isn't everybody, but you're less willing to do antibiotics or vaccines or the allopathic medicine components and we developed all of that, including holistic medicine and allopathic medicine. It should all be combined. We all used to live until 40s, maybe late 50s, even just 100 years ago. And now we're all at least, I think the average age for people is 77 years old. Well, part of that is bringing in allopathic medicine and vaccines and routine care. The problem is, if you just do that, you're losing everything we've learned for centuries that is absolutely medicine, which is just food and nature and what we're supposed to be living in and that we have forgotten about. So it becomes diseased by not using both modalities. So to be an integrative veterinarian means that 
I am going to use surgery. I'm going to use vaccines. I am going to use antibiotics when necessary. And I am going to use herbs. I am going to use nutrition. I am going to use just exercise also as medicine. And to not combine that has become the most baffling thing to me. But I think that's what truly makes an integrative veterinarian or a functional medicine doctor or veterinarian is they're willing to use any and all modalities that this world has to offer. And I think that's even outside of vet med, like human medicine. I want an integrative doctor and you don't find a lot of those, right? And I think, you know, at least for me personally, my faith in humanity probably is a little bit of a stretch, but it definitely took a hit as well. But just organized medicine has been very, very much diminished over the past number of years for a variety of reasons, right? But it's one of those things where if you can bring both those together, it's like, well, don't say what great, great, great grandma used to talk about. There was some reason for why they did things. But also, yeah, we advance. We want to use technology. That's great. But don't yeah, cast out one for the other. It can be both. It doesn't have to be either or. I love that. Exactly. And that's, it's, that's what life is about, right? Like life is about moderation. It's balance. It's not just diving into this one thing and forgetting about everything else. So I think you can apply that not just to medicine, but just life in general. And that doesn't seem like it should be a controversial take or something that not every single veterinarian would say, yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Why isn't that just default? Why isn't that a, the way it's taught? Why isn't that the way that everyone practices? What are your thoughts? And get yourself in trouble or not get in trouble as much as you want. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind getting myself in trouble. Like these are my opinions. And and I guess I'm not even like even steadfast in any of my opinions. You could probably sway me. And I think that's the beauty of it is that I'm just open and I'm receptive. And that's because of what's happened in my past. But I think that the reason, especially all doctors, whether you're a veterinarian or an MD, I think we get stuck in this. And I was stuck in it for years. This is what I was learned in school. This is what is right. We know this because of science. And what now baffles my mind is if we know something because of science, well, there's not a study 10 years from now that's actually going to disprove everything we call science right now. We watch it happen constantly. So I think we get stuck in this cycle because that's what we're taught from a very young age. So I guess that was my whole point as I kind of get out there. But we are started from the beginning in school that we're kind of stripped away from critical thinking and anything else. So we follow exactly what they tell us to do. And herbs and nutrition and all of that is not taught in vet school. I mean, we had a course in my vet school, like a holistic course you could take, but it was I think one semester out of four years and I took it and I just remember being so underwhelmed because it, even the way it was presented, like, well, there's no research behind this. There's no studies. You can try it, but it probably won't work. So even in the institution, you're basically constantly told that holistic modalities are woo-woo and crazy. So I went into vet school feeding my dog a raw food diet feeding, really practicing holistic measures because I had worked as a tech with a holistic vet. And then I went into vet school and I just remember it slowly. It was so unconscious. I didn't even notice it, but all of that, my feelings and what I felt was right. And the whole reason I wanted to get in vet medicine being like stripped away from me. And part of that is now here's where I'll get into, you can call it conspiracy theories or whatever you want, but 
government controls big pharma who controls government. It's all this big circular farm, which then controls food. So the sicker you are, the more you're going to rely on big pharma. Government can then control you. It's just this big cycle you can get in. And I think, again, it's not that allopathic medicine is bad, but remember where it's coming from and just be open, if that makes sense. It makes sense. And I've rejected the concept of the conspiracy thing because I've been told that in conversations like, oh, that's just a conspiracy theory. And the idea that having someone that is interested in a topic that wants to do their own research and try to put things together. And there are a lot of times where we're wrong. Same way with like science in general, it's just proven. There are people that'll make up crazy stories. That's like, there's no way that that's true. But how many times has there been something that's like, oh, that's so out there and crazy. And it's like, oh, that actually did happen. And they don't go back and like apologize to the people that got railroaded and basically sometimes destroyed, right? Their livelihood or their, their life in general. So I don't really love that term because it seems to be like a way to try to shut people up really quickly because we take it as such a negative versus like, let's just have an open and honest conversation. And if I'm wrong, please show me, please explain to me exactly how I'm wrong and how this doesn't connect. The other thing though, and my brother does this a lot to me and I catch it now every time I talk about stuff is when you talked about within vet school, you say they, I always have to go back and say, we have to define who they are at times, right? And not just say they, because I'll talk about like, oh, this and that and they, and he's like, who's they, right? <laughs> so I think, I think that's one. And then the other thing is when you think about these studies, right? So you talked about there wasn't any studies based on a certain style of practice, but if allopathic medicine is where everything is kind of pushed and the studies are all there, who's paying for the studies to push it that way? And I think that's really important in the same way with nutrition. And I had a guest on a while back that talked about, hey, with especially the nutrition in vet med, who pays for all the studies? Well, you know, it's Hills, you know, it's these different companies who owns those companies and why do they do that? Well, if they have the connection into the pharmaceutical drugs that then can cure the issues that are created, it actually makes a lot of sense. And it's not saying that all the people that work at these companies are bad people. They are not. There are a ton of people that care, but it is the incentives are not aligned for them to do the right thing and maybe just cure stuff, right? And say, maybe it is exercise. Maybe you should go out in the sun more. Maybe you should do this or that. It's like, well, that doesn't really have a reoccurring revenue model system. So I guess I'm just kind of trying to round that out. When you talk about they, you kind of explained it from the university, I would basically say, right? So from the university setting, who does get a lot of funding from the, the federal government, there's going to be certain decisions that are made from a leadership perspective to say, this is how we're going to educate. This is why we're going to educate. And it's hard to then push back and say, why is this the appropriate education and why don't we add more? And you typically do, and this is my big thing, and people have heard me talk about it a thousand times, follow the money, right? And I think ultimately, if you do that, a lot of times it gets a lot clearer. So is that what you mean by they? Because I feel like I asked a question and I answered it. <laughs> 100% though, that is exactly how I was trying to say it. And then if you're going to talk about they as well, I have probably gone into more of a rabbit hole than I would like to admit, but, and this is, my husband has been telling me this for years and I have written him off until I will tell you that COVID hit and my eyes started getting open. But he has been telling me for years that Rockefeller is the entire reason we are the nation that we are today. And I didn't even understand who Rockefeller was other than that's a building in New York City. Like, So I have really started researching. And when you start researching it, Rockefeller owned the entire petroleum industry. And America finally said, okay, well, you have a monopoly on that. And this country is set up for nobody to be allowed to have a monopoly. So they took his businesses and they distributed it out. Well, this person did not like that. And so he started funding first into schools and started making our public schools the way they are today. 
And one of the things that may not be a direct quote that he said, but he is not in the business of making a nation of thinkers. He is in the business of making a nation of workers. So then he took that where he's making this nation of workers and he started funding into medical schools. And lo and behold, most of our pharmaceutical products that are made are all petroleum based. So if you own petroleum company and then you start funding into the medical system to only start researching and studying petroleum based pharmaceuticals, that becomes this wonderful profit that you're making. And then you start dampening down herbs and nutrition and all of the other things because in the early 1900s, that was medical school, was herbs and food. And I think even for a little while, homeopathy kind of took space there, but it was more natural medicine. And it's kind of fascinating to look back at when it all started changing is all of these influences from Rockefeller. And again, it's not that some of these pharmaceuticals that we have aren't good things, but it's that it took over and that's the only thing we're all allowed to use. And it's the only medicine that's available. My husband and I had a friend come and visit and she was telling us she gets like nine to 10 migraines a month. And she's like, I have tried everything. And she's a physical therapist. So I'm like, okay, well, she's tried everything. And then me, because I love to talk and tell you my opinion about things, I do acupuncture. And I said, well, let me put, she had, she came over and she had a migraine and she could barely function because they're here visiting from California and we're going to out sledding. And I said, let me just throw a few acupuncture needles in you. And she's like, Oh, I've never done acupuncture before. I'm kind of scared. I don't want a needle. And I'm like, wait a second. You told me you tried everything. So when you say tried everything, you tried everything Western medicine has to offer. Well, there's the flaw again, right? If you tried truly everything, you should try everything we have to offer in medicine, which is again, back to what makes an integrative doctor or veterinarian. And so I put three needles in her and she said it took her migraine down from an eight to I think a three or a four. And she's like, I was able to function and feel good. And she wasn't able, able to go lay down in a dark room. We were driving up to the mountain to go sledding. So thinking like, okay, if you would have truly done this in the hands of a human acupuncturist, because let's be honest, I don't actually want to touch humans. The reason I'm a veterinarian, she could have done that with a true acupuncturist and then laid in a room and turned the lights off and truly taken time for herself. I bet her migraine would have been gone. And acupuncture is now becoming much more okay to do. And there is studies behind it that make it real. So it's more accepted, but all of these things have uses. So I just found it so funny to hear somebody say, I've tried everything. And then when I bring out something like acupuncture, which to me is routine, she's like, oh, I've never had that before. I've never had acupuncture. And I think part of it is just like, what's normal? What's socially acceptable? Not that it's socially acceptable. I don't think that it's weird. If someone wanted to do it, I'd be like, great. I've just never done it. I don't know the benefits. And to me, I'm like, yeah, I don't really like needles. Like, uh, you know, I don't know if that's something I want to do. I'd have to be really hurting to say yes. Right. And it might be something that could be yeah, a huge relief. But that's such a fascinating story. But going back, you talked about your husband, like opening your eyes. I think your husband's situation going through a lot of what he dealt with, right, is part of your journey of coming back, right? So you talked about within vet school, kind of got beaten out of you in a way. I use Those are my words, not yours. You didn't necessarily say that. But it got kind of taken out of you where you felt like, hey, I'm here and I'm learning. And these are the people that have the knowledge. And they are telling me this is not correct anymore. This is the way I'm supposed to do things. So you graduate, you go off and start working. 
what does it look like from there? And when do you come back? Because my understanding from our previous conversation was kind of like your husband's personal situation that brought you back into this world. But can you kind of fill in the details there? Because I know a little bit. Yeah, I graduated and I kind of, I did graduate with my acupuncture certification. So I kind of kept that. I watched acupuncture change so many lives and animals from working with a holistic vet and Colorado State offered it. So I did it. So I got out of school and I still kind of dabbled a little bit, but then I got into a very wonderful clinic, but very Western medicine. And I didn't start reaching out and branching out and you're just learning. So at that point, you're just taking in everything you can. You go out with this imposter syndrome of, I know nothing. How are they letting me work on animals right now? And I know medical doctors have that same feeling, but I just used the knowledge I was given. And then I met my husband and he always had back pain. And that was just part of his story. Like he couldn't go out for a hike because he was hurt. Like that's just who he was. And it was kind of something he just dealt with and we lived with. And then over the years, I think we had moved back to Oregon. It started incrementally getting worse and worse and worse. And we started going in to emergency rooms. I remember one emergency trip very clearly of him in such severe pain. I was convinced he had a kidney stone. And I kept telling the doctors, like, you need to look for a kidney stone. He keeps pointing to his pain here. He's having spasms. And they basically looked at him with his history of back pain, that he came in there for opiates and he was not in true pain. They made me even feel like he was making it up. And it was just this feeling of, is it even real? Even I started questioning it. And eventually just watching him in so much pain, it just kept going and going. We finally found a pain doctor and he started with Bo. I think he's probably more of a functional medicine doctor, but truly he's a pain medical doctor. And he asked him his story from almost day one of life to where he's at now. And he said he spent an hour and a half in the room with this doctor. And the doctor said, I'm about 99% sure you have ankylosing spondylitis, which is an autoimmune disease, but I'm not a rheumatologist. So that's the next specialist you need to go to. His GP didn't tell us that. She just said, oh, you just have back pain. You must be seeking drugs. Like she basically told him that. And so we finally went to a rheumatologist and he got diagnosed with ankylosing spondylitis. And at that point, both of us were like, okay, we have a diagnosis. What do we do next? Well, they started him on immune modulating drugs. And I watched him get sicker over the course of two years and get every side effect you could think of. And as he got the side effect, the doctor would say, here's your next medication to treat this side effect. And then he'd start taking it and he'd get a new side effect. And I'm going, what is wrong? They're making you sicker. And so all of this was going on and then COVID hit and my husband told me exactly how COVID was going to happen and exactly how the government was going to institute mask mandates. And I was like, you're insane. People aren't going to do that. And then I watched it happen. And then my husband said, and they'll tell us it'll just be for a couple of weeks. And he goes, but it's going to be for as long as they want it to be. And then I watched it happen. And I'm just going, how does he know that? So there's this little part of me that's starting to not trust what science is telling me to trust. And I started kind of looking into more holistic modalities to help him. And around that time, we got pregnant with our second child. And we got an ultrasound and they told us she had a cleft lip and palate. And that was devastating, absolutely devastating. And the portion that was, I think, the most devastating was how does that make me look? How will I look to other people to have a disfigured child? And I hate that I have those thoughts, but I did. And they're just honest, real thoughts. And it started becoming, 
less about me. Once I finally let it go, this is not about me. This is about this baby. I started going, why? Why does she have a cleft? I have good nutrition. I take all the prenatal supplements they told me to do. You can trace clefts to missing. See, I can't remember the vitamins. It's been a while since I've done the research, but you know, I had that in my prenatals. Why did my baby girl have this cleft? And of course there's a genetic predisposition. Sure. But why did it happen? And it really bothered me. And every doctor I asked would just say, well, it just happens sometimes. Like it could be genetics, but it also just happens. So then I started looking at the numbers and the numbers from, I think the eighties is one in 1600 children were going to be born with a cleft or were born with a cleft. And nowadays it's one in 600 or 500. It is so much more likely. And I started saying, well, why has this number changed? And nobody could tell me. And so then I started doing a lot more research on my own on childhood vaccines, on processed foods, on seed oils. I'm pretty sure we talked about that last time. And I'm just going, holy crap, it's all those toxins that are in our world. It's the food that I've been eating, even though I thought it was healthy. It's not. If Unless it's whole real food, it's processed or has preservatives in some way. And as that started kind of opening my mind, I was continuing to watch my husband get sicker on all these drugs and barely able to work. And so I'm like, I'm done. I'm done listening to all these Western medicine doctors. I'm going to find an integrative doctor. So I reached out on Instagram. I mean, that's how I find everyone these days is I was scrolling and this guy came up and his name's Dr. Leland Stillman. And I started following his post and then I bought his book and I won't even think I was finished with the book. I had both signed up with a consultation with him and we hired him to be his doctor, which he basically has this six or eight week like intensive program and coaching calls. And I'm not kidding, really. He did some other things, but for the most part, he's like, you need to eat whole food. So we started doing that. You need to stop drinking alcohol. So we stopped drinking alcohol. He's a software engineer. So he sits in front of a computer all day long and he goes, you got to get up with the sunshine and walk. You got to walk in the middle of the day and it can be 10 minutes. And then you need to walk at sunset. And not only will that set your circadian rhythms, but that will get your body moving and going and helping with all sorts of things. And he started some supplements. He did some hair and tissue mineral analysis. He changed some other things, but for the most part, it was pretty simple. And so we started changing the entire way we lived. And then I hired a naturopath for myself and both my girls. And my oldest was battling eczema and she'd been battling it for just on her face, just kind of itchy for over a year and a half. And I remember going to the pediatrician and he said, well, they just get eczema at this age and here's some steroids. And so he gave me a steroid cream and I was just putting it on there and going, why does she have eczema? Why is nobody asking why? Not just here's the cream let's make it go away. So I hired this naturopath and it was the same thing. We did a food allergy testing. I did a strict elimination trial on her and the eczema went away within like two weeks. And then after 12 weeks of being super strict on the trial, I started introducing food slowly at a time and it's gluten. For her, it is gluten. And I saw it flare back up during Christmas time because we weren't perfect. I'm human too. And we started having to cut it back out again so that we can get her eczema back under control. But as I was going through all of this with my own family, I'd go to work and just prescribe my carprofen or prescribe my clavamox to everything. And I'm going, 
why am I not practicing the same way I'm trying to treat my family? And it just started deep diving me into really going into holistic medicine and trying to learn as much as I can. And I am a baby in the holistic world, to be perfectly honest. I have probably six books at home that are half read and half open that I'm constantly flipping pages and trying to find new modalities and just teach myself as much as possible. In every case, I'm talking to pet parents like, do you want to find out the root cause? Here's what I can offer. Or we can go the conventional route and I let them choose. And just that makes me feel better. At least I am steering people in the direction that best fits for them. And the more I've done that, the more clients are gravitating to me. And I'm finding more people that fit with what I believe and want to do for their pets. So it's even though I still do conventional medicine, I've attracted all of these clients who are truly trying to change for themselves and for their pets. And it's, it's been really cool. So that's a long-winded way of getting to my story of where I've got to now. No, that's perfect. And I say it one time, I've said it a hundred times, like there's a reason that sometimes longer form content is important because you can get the full kind of picture. And even that there's so much detail in the years that you just talked about there where there's things that happen. And I have two boys and we have one that has a dairy allergy and you deal with that and you try to navigate different things and you try to figure out why and you look at these different things. Why are there more allergies? Why are levels of just lots of things, right, that are out there? And it does make you question a lot of stuff. And yeah, no one is perfect as a parent and you just look at it and you try to figure out, okay, what decisions do I need to make? And sometimes we just outsource so much of that and just have this layer of trust that everything is set and done correctly. And there's a lot of times people maybe don't know why they do what they do. It's just they were told by someone else. And it's like, that's just happened for so long that no one questions it. And I don't think there is anything wrong with questioning and asking why. When you have little kids, they ask you why all the time. And we just lose that. And it is sad. And we should continue to do that. And I think it would help with dialogue because there could be a lot of people that maybe don't agree with anything that you've said or a lot of things that I say. And that's fine. We can still be really close and be friends and have a great time. We should be able to have an open and honest dialogue to where at the end of it, we don't end up hating each other. I think that's the big thing that I've tried to encourage people is like, it's fine to disagree and you can have civil disagreement, which seems to be something that also is of the past that's gotten lost. So with that, you made a comment to me that it's like you've healed more animals making the changes that you have in this kind of more narrow window of holistic medicine than you did all the years prior in that thinking about it. And I talked about niching down a lot of times on this podcast, but you've seen the growth and you're doing some different things. And so kind of where are you at now? Cause you have obviously some exciting stuff going on. What does that look like today? Yeah. So I'm trying to do several things. So I'm in the middle of building a clinic with a business partner and another veterinarian that we worked with at a previous clinic that bought, got bought over by corporate. And she is a more conventional veterinarian. However, she is very cutting edge. I kind of hate that word, but she is. She's absolutely up and open, I guess, open and able to receive that there are other modalities. And she's even the one who came to me half a year ago and she goes, we got to bring in stem cell therapy. We got to do PRP. Not a typical Western doctor is not going to say that. So she's very open. So we actually align really well together where we're going to open this clinic and I can go the more holistic, integrative route and she can do more conventional medicine and we'll be able to treat all sorts of pets and clients, which is really exciting. And then I'm also doing this social media posting, partly so I can just get the message out that there are holistic vets out there. There are integrative vets. There are other ways to do things 
if you're interested. And part of that is to set up passive income for myself because let's be honest, it's expensive to live in this world these days. So I'm trying to set up all these different revenue streams. So that's absolutely part of it. Well, yeah. I mean, the hospital is obviously a huge one from that standpoint. And one of the things that we had talked about before too, is just this idea of, I think a lot of veterinarians and I've seen it in conversations and seen it firsthand, get, feel like they get burned out and they need to like reinvent themselves. Or they feel like this is it. I went for all these years and this is what it looks like. I'm just going to keep treating these same few issues. Right. And they're not actually solving anything. And I think you felt that, but today when you leave work or look forward to work, it's different than it used to be. Can you talk about kind of that change and shift in the way that you look at work today? Yeah, there's just a complete different change to my mind. And I think it's partly because for a while I was even feeling like, why am I doing this? Like you kind of just said, I'm almost in the rat race. I'm sick of this. I've kind of gotten to this point as I've become more natural. I'm like, why am I not just on, on a farm homesteading and spending time with my husband and my children? And there's a part of me that still absolutely wants that. And maybe in five years from now, I'll be there. But what I'm learning is you have to be present in the moment right now. And that's what changes everything. And the moment I realized if I can be present right now, it opened this whole new world of being excited to go to work. And then being in this moment of, okay, well, I'm present right now in this moment. How can I help this animal? And then be open and receptive to it. So it started getting me into microbiome therapy, all the studies they're doing with the microbiome, which is fascinating. Hair and tissue and mineral analysis. Oh man, there's so many things. And then, I mean, most of my appointments are truly like, if you just start base zero square one, it's talking about nutrition, just telling them the pitfalls of kibble, the pitfalls of raw, the pitfalls of homemade, what would be best for them. And it's fun every time to talk about nutrition because we're all different. Every single one of us is different. We all have a different metabolism. If I say that raw is right for this dog, the next one that comes into me, I may tell you gently cooked is correct. I may tell you kibble is fine, but you need to do superfood toppers. It's fun because not every case is the same. And I think coming out of vet school after 10 years, every case kind of became the same. Like, here's your allergy medication. Here's your autoimmune. Here's by the playbook of what you're supposed to do. And now when they come into me, it's this puzzle that I get to unravel and find what works and what's the true cause. I'm even getting into their dogs coming in with behavioral problems and anxiety. Let's look at the gut. The gut brain access is incredible. We literally have bacteria in our gut that if it's in low presence, you will be depressed or have anxiety. They did this study on mice where they called them germ-free mice. And they basically, I don't know exactly how they did it, but they basically had no gut bacteria. And those mice had all of this depression and anxiety. And when they specifically gave them, I think it was, I'm going to say this wrong because I never know how to pronounce them, but bifidobacterium, something like that, super popular probiotic that we give, the levels of depression and anxiety went away. So what I'm finding is all these dogs we see anxiety and behavior problems in, let's test their microbiome. And I haven't done a ton, so I can't tell you what's come back yet, but I know a ton of other holistic vets have and have seen pretty amazing success. So you're getting dogs off of things like Prozac, which, hello, Big Pharma doesn't want you to do that. 
not only for dogs, right? For people, we are the most depressed society that's ever been. And they don't want us coming off of their big pharma drugs. So why look at the gut? So there's so many fun things out there now. The world is just so open. Like what new thing can I learn next is where I'm at right now. And it's made being a veterinarian way more enjoyable. And what's the word I'm looking for? Just fulfilling, just so much more fulfilling, which I, I loved it before. It's just, it's not the same. If you can improve the health of an animal, you'd do it, right? Of course, that's what makes veterinarians special. You're mission driven. My friends at LifeLearn are the exact same way. For over 25 years, they've been partnering with you and your peers, providing affordable, customizable online software solutions. These solutions save time, increase efficiency, and assist in managing all aspects of operations. Why? They want to help you improve your partnership with pet owners to improve pet health. LifeLearn has award-winning digital media solutions and are leading the pack as they've prioritized having extensive veterinary knowledge throughout their teams. That difference is seen, it's heard, and it's read by thousands of people across the country. Relax, grow, and thrive with LifeLearn. Click the link in the show notes for an exclusive offer to see how LifeLearn can allow you to get back to what you do best. So I'm going to give you the skeptical take of what I'm a veterinarian I listen at. A, that sounds expensive. No one will pay for it. I don't have time in my day. How does that work? It, it wouldn't work here in Indiana, right? Maybe you Oregon Yahoos will do it. But in Indiana, people don't care about that stuff. They won't do it. What would you say to them? What would you say to someone that says that? It's all about education. And it's all about how you talk to people. So are there people who aren't going to do it? Yes. Do you care? No. Find the people that want you and your services. So if you don't believe in it, maybe you shouldn't do it. But if you strongly believe in it, I don't can't tell you how many exam rooms I've gone in where people's minds are blown when I talk about these things because nobody's ever told them this before. This is just material that they don't even know is an option. And I will tell you that we have a lot of conversations of and again, when I have the allergy dog come in with the pyoderma, if you don't think I'm not sending them home with an antibiotic, with sometimes a Cytopoint or an Apoquel, just to get the itching down, the Band-Aids are good. It is for symptom relief. But when I am talking with the owners, how can we get here where you don't have to see me every three months? And the moment you say that to them, that you're going to have to invest right now, but that's so that you don't have to invest a lot of finances over the course of your dog's 10 years to 20-year-old life. Pet parents are all about it. If we can talk about what's the root cause, they want to know. And again, is that everyone? No. But do you want to serve everyone? Or do you want to find like-minded people that fulfill you and make you happy to be a veterinarian. It all depends on how you want to surround yourself. Yeah. It makes me think of the first time. So the guy that cuts my hair, and this is a weird story at, at the beginning when I start this, but it's exactly what you just talked about. First time I came in, he's like, Hey, why do you do this with the way your hair's cut? And why do you do this? And I was like, no one's ever asked that. And he explained the way your head's shaped and the way that your hair flows, you should cut it this way. Are you cool if I do that this time? I was like, yeah, you know way more than I do. And so I've been going to the same guy forever and he's amazing because he had a conversation that no one ever in the life of me getting my hair cut, I'm 29 years old at that point. No one had ever done that. I was like, huh, this guy actually cares, first of all, to tell me this and ask why I do something this way. Everyone else just says, yep, you said this and this. Cool, we'll do that. 
that's it. And I think as a veterinarian, if you say like, hey, do you want to not have to always be in here? I get you're probably a little frustrated, but let's actually solve the root cause versus continuing to have you come in and see me. <laughs> and, and you talked about it's an investment. So it's still good for business because that person is going to walk away saying, you know what, if there's ever a question, I'm going to make sure they go to Dr. Jessica because like she super helped me. And so they're, they're going to be advocates for you and they're going to continue to tell other people, which I think is really important. And it's what's on brand, right? And I feel like I'm a little bit of a, well, I don't want to use myself as an example, but like, what do people know about me? I care about practice ownership. I talk a ton about Bitcoin and I like to talk about things in regard to business, right? People know like there's three or four things Isaiah talks about at length and for hours and hours and hours and hours. And then he brings on people and they talk about other stuff and then he comes back and talk about his own stuff. And like, But you want to be on brand to where you can be relatable so they know who you are. And if you're just a veterinarian that's going to continue to do what everyone else has done, you're very forgettable, candidly. And that sucks. That's probably why you feel miserable and probably why you want to leave the industry because you don't feel like you can truly be you. And so, yeah, I love that. It's amazing. And I love that you just said that because that's been the biggest shift over the last six months for me as I've really like embraced it because... I would say, even though I was doing it at home, I was scared to bring it up at work. Like, how will my peers look at me? How will my techs look at me? How will the other doctors look at me? And then there just came a point, like, I don't care. And I just walked in and I have become my authentic self every time I talk to a client. And I would say at least 80 to 85% of the time, I form a connection with the client and it typically is me talking about the story that I just told you, maybe not in the length of time that I did it, but into my authentic self of this is what happened to my family. This is why I'm here where I'm at. This is why I like to treat pets this way. Are you interested in that? And I do get some people who are kind of like, okay. <laughs> and like, I probably won't see him again, but that's fine. What's happened though is I've become not forgettable because I've formed a true connection with someone by one, letting them into my own life, but then them realizing I am truly here to help their pets. I'm not trying to just, am I going to collect payment? Absolutely. We have to live. They know that. I know that. But I'm not just here to make money. I truly want to help their pets. And now all of a sudden, they're more willing to do the tests that I recommend. They want to do the preventative measures. They want to do microbiome testing or hair and tissue mineral analysis that before would be like, well, can't we just try and change the nutrition and not do all the expensive tests? They're more willing to spend money because if one, I'm my authentic self, but then explain to them, hey, if we can try and do an individualized protocol instead of my, let's just try whole food and see if it makes a difference, which it could, but you're still kind of using shotgun treatment. Like, let's just figure out what works and try all of it. Whereas you could find an individualized treatment plan. Like there's this new lab out there called, I don't know how new they are. Well, they're new, but innovative pet labs. And they're doing something different than animal biome that's used to look at the entire microbiome they're looking at, and this is what I used on my daughter with eczema, leaky gut, which that alone is a controversial thing to even talk about is leaky gut syndrome. It's looking at a dysbiosis using calprotectin and IgA and like gluten sensitivity and end up using those two together. You can kind of formulate a very specific plan for the patient that you have. And it's really cool. And it's this new thing on the market. But even that, I wouldn't have been receptive to doing that not, not that long ago. And now 
I'm starting to use all these new things and tailor it to each patient. And I think, again, if you're just yourself and then you're just open and receptive and want to learn, you have naturally magnetized these things to yourself, this positive energy. And you kind of find yourself on the right next path, not because you were looking for it, but just because you're okay with who you are. So that's been one of the biggest changes for me and has made, again, everything I do in life fulfilling, being a parent, being a vet, all of it is just every moment is awesome. Do you think you would be opening your own clinic if you hadn't rediscovered some of this stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Because I actually wanted to open my own clinic when I was in vet school and that drive has never gone away. And I started opening this clinic before I ever even really, like, I remember Kaylee and I were kind of getting together and planning the clinic in 2021. And I really wasn't even on the path that I am now. We hadn't even started with Dr. Stillman yet. I was watching my husband and my daughter and it almost having all of that happen almost made me stop opening the clinic. This is to do all of this. And then once I kind of just step back and no, like this is what I've always wanted to do. This is the next best step for me. So I actually think if I hadn't have gotten here, I may have actually stopped building the clinic, even though that motion was already going. Interesting. You talked about it was there from a business ownership perspective early on. And I think that's one, again, going back to the on brand and topics like this idea of a lot of people will say that younger veterinarians don't want to own. I don't know how much discussion you have in Oregon with the schools that are out that way or, or vet students in general. What's your opinion on that? Do you think that there's just this big cultural shift that new veterinarians don't want to own? Is there other challenges that are out there? What are your thoughts? This is where I'll get into this again, but I think it's our society. I think we're watching that in everything because we're trained as young children in school to basically be these little factory workers. So I think what we're seeing is over time, we're losing the entrepreneurs because it's not what's being taught in schools. Even vet school I think really the reason I always wanted to be a practice owner is my mom's a dental business consultant. So I have grown up with my mom reading the seven habits for highly effective people. Like this is how I've been raised in this more entrepreneurial mindset. And she just kind of helped get to me like, unless you own a business, it's not that you can't make changes being an associate, but you're limited on what you can do and bring in. And so that's why coming into vet school, I always knew I wanted to own because I knew that was the best path to go down. I think we are seeing less people wanting to own because we almost teach everyone, well, why even try? Corporates are taking over everything anyway. So what are you in this little tiny private practice? Are you even going to make it? There's all this fear that's instilled. So you kind of come out of school well, all I can do is go and be a doctor. That's what I was trained to do. I wasn't trained on how to open a business. And we're not. Should we train? Should we start that in vet school is having more business? Absolutely. But it's not there. So I think if you have any type of entrepreneurial mindset, you need to go out there and start immersing yourself in business, reading the books, taking courses, doing more work for yourself, to be honest. Yeah. What haven't I asked about, whether it's your journey, suggestions for your peers, things that you're curious about right now or interested in that you think would be good to chat on or, or share with colleagues? It's interesting because it's something that I've been really diving into is trying to find 
see, it's even hard to talk about a little bit right now, but trying to find my more authentic self and trying to be present in the moment. I talked a little bit about that, but that is what I'm trying to immerse myself in. And just remember, I'm trying to work on this holistic ebook that I can sell and doing it has just become this burden that I put on myself and just something to get to, to the next step, because this is going to be great passive income. It's going to get me here. And even while writing the book, it was like, oh my God, why am I doing all this work? What is the point? And instead of just being present, this is actually really exciting to write a book. Do you know like how much knowledge I get to learn just by sitting down? And like I said, I have like six different holistic veterinarians books out right now where I'm diving into all these things. And just yesterday I read something out of it where I was like, I had no idea. I can't remember what it was, but this present moment of just writing the book, that's what life is about. And it's not just to get to the end, not to get to the next thing that will bring you fulfillment because that's not the point of life. You're supposed to be present in this exact now. And so I started reading this book and it's called The Power of Now. And it just kind of changed my entire way of thinking. Over the past couple months, I was really struggling with how much I put on my plate. I mean, trying to open a clinic, trying to do the social media business, make my website, do the blog post, write this ebook, be a mom. <laughs> that alone is a full-time job. And I'm doing all of these other things that I started feeling like, well, I'm a crappy mom. I'm a crappy vet. I'm a crappy this. And I'm doing a terrible job because I can't focus on whatever it may be. And just realizing that if I let all of that go and just be present in this exact moment, I'm so excited to be sitting here on this podcast with you and having this open dialogue. Like this is the best moment because I'm here and I'm completely present. And it's a really hard line to walk because you are doing these things to get to a better future, right? But if you dwell on that, you can start giving yourself anxiety or guilt over what's going on. Or if you sit in the present and be like, God, if I just would have started this five years ago, think about how much further I would have been. Well, if you do that, then you just get yourself in the state of depression. So it's, I've just been really trying to focus on enjoying every single present moment that I'm in and using it all as this educational tool, which at the same time has made being a veterinarian more exciting being a parent more exciting, being a friend. I mean, everything in my life has just completely changed. And it feels like, well, you're having to do more work by even thinking about all of that, but it becomes, that's life. This is literally the journey of life. Why shouldn't we enjoy every single moment of it? So that has been the most powerful thing I've been working on over this past month is just myself. Yeah, I love it. And yeah, you think about moving the goalposts, and I think I'm still struggle with that candidly, like, oh, you do this and this and this. And it's like, oh man, old you would have been thrilled and been like, oh, that was like the big, huge goal. And like, you did that. And then you're like, yeah, whatever, what's the next thing? It's like, well, that's really a dangerous spot to get in. And yeah, big questions like, you know, the meaning of life. Like, I think you have to sit with that. And I think people are going to have different ones. For me, it's like, there's a lot of things where there's a religious element to that. And I don't know where, you know, everyone stands on that. But to me, that's absolutely a core component of to me, a well-rounded life, like you have to, there is a reason you're here and there are gifts that are given from God. And like, for me, that's a big part of it. And you talk about doing all these different things similar to me, right? Like there's a reason I do the podcast and I've continued to do it. 
and there was a moment where I was like, I don't think I'm going to do it anymore. And I had like so many people over a short time frame, like, no, don't stop. And I was like, oh, shoot, they actually like this. This is good. But I don't want it to feel like a burden where I'm not having fun. And I do enjoy it because I really do. It's an enjoyable thing. It's a blessing to be able to have conversation and share content. And you don't know who it impacts. We don't know necessarily who will listen to this. And they can have a moment that changes things. And you might never hear that feedback. And that's the part that is really powerful and also really cool. So one of my favorite things about the podcast is I get to ask a ton of questions and then let someone share their knowledge. But at the end, I always let a guest fire a question back my way. And I always say nothing's off limits, which if you want to get me in trouble, it's pretty easy, right? But anyway, any questions or any things or any topics, whether it's what we discussed today or not, floor is yours to ask a question. Or if you have more than one, that's fine too. Yeah. So it's so easy to tell when somebody's kind of on the same page of even the fact that I put the word out there, conspiracy theorist, I hate that word because it's used to dampen us down to make you sound like an idiot. So what has changed your perspective or your thinking that you've come over to this? Honestly, last time we talked about, you know, seed oils. So the seed oil revolution, you actually are the one who showed me that website. What has brought you over to this area where I don't want to say you're discouraged in our government or humanity or whatever, but to have your eyes more open, we can't just listen to what society tells us to do. Sure. I think a couple of things happened. So first, my eldest son was born in 2019. And I think becoming a parent, it's always something I wanted to do. I was always very intentional growing up. If I was going to date someone, I was dating someone to have a wife that was going to raise my kids. And like, that was always very important. So having my son in 2019, very important. Obviously 2020 with everything that happened with COVID, the response that definitely hurt me with my trust in humanity. And we were the people that crazy wiping down groceries, all this stuff at the beginning. And that changed very quickly. And I credit a lot of people that helped me see that. And there are moments and there's one specific event where I went to a best friend's wedding and I didn't love the way, like it was a rural Indiana wedding. People were like, yeah, this COVID thing's kind of a, not that big of a deal. And again, I know this will ruffle feathers, but it's like, I was one of the only ones that went in there and was like, Hey, this is a big deal. And I feel so embarrassed when I look back on it now. I really do like can't really feel embarrassed. I can't believe I ever thought that, but it changed shortly after that to where I was like, why now, why is this being done? And it's one of these things where you don't get to vote back liberties, right? And it's a very slippery slope. And so you can go back to 9-11 and you can see a lot of civil liberties get taken and then they never come back. You can go into the ballot box at the end of 2024 and vote for whoever you want, which 80 year old you want to be the president of the United States, right? And it's not going to change anything because I think people need to understand it's not this red versus blue. It's all kind of purple is the joke that I will use. It's all the same team doing the same stuff. And I get that there are going to be certain things that maybe are better because you care about who gets on the Supreme Court and some of those things. But fundamentally, I look at these things and I say, COVID to me should and has opened people's eyes because social media captured all the crazy things that were blatant lies to everyone. And a lot of people probably do feel duped, but it's this sunk cost fallacy that they feel like because I was so strongly tied to this idea or this person and they betrayed me, I'm going to continue with this information that's not true, right? And I still see it. And you, you go into that and you, you understand how some of these things came to be. And things that are now accepted were, you know, people were canceled. People were fired from their jobs. They were terminated. And now they come back. And a lot of people just want to put it in a box and like, forget about it. And it's like, no, no, no. A lot of people's lives were destroyed. And so they're not going to just put it away. And I'll never forget it, candidly. And I make the comment, I've been radicalized from that standpoint. And not in a way where it's a bad thing, but it, it just changed my outlook. And I was like, huh, well, if this is all 
really a scam and I've been blatantly lied to, told by the president of our country that I'm going to pass away over a, a winter. Yeah, I have some questions. So you start digging in and then you realize, yeah, there are weird ties. And I think Bitcoin was part of the journey as well. And I think a lot of people within Bitcoin, you know, you seek to understand and, and people are like seeking truth. And I've always been a person that has tried to do that and has been quote unquote disagreeable or a difficult person to talk to at times, right? Or intense. And it's fine going back to just being real and authentic. I'm not going to apologize for being a straight white male. And I don't think that society should should tell me that anything wrong with me. And that's been an issue. And I have kids that I don't want them to raise to feel like they're some terrible monsters, right? And there are lots of wonderful people that I think we agree on a lot more than we disagree on, but we just don't push back. And you don't have to push back in a nasty way. It's just like, I just reject that entire friend. Like that to me, no, I won't even play that game. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. And I think that's really, really important for more people to just be like, I'm comfortable candidly canceling myself. If you want to not listen, that's cool. Like if you don't like what I have to say, that's cool, right? But ultimately I'm here not to impart my thoughts on all those things. But if you think that I'm a bad person because of that, that's silly. Just like I'm not going to think that you're a bad person if you think that I'm crazy. We can still talk about veterinary medicine and have awesome conversations. That's great. And that's what I ultimately want. But yeah, there was a lot of things that changed. 2020, 2019, that all changed. I think finding Bitcoin in the fall of 2019 is fundamentally a big thing that changed in my life. And that's why I talk about it as much as I do, similar to the way that you talk about integrative medicine and, and looking to Eastern and Western medicine and combining those. To me, if you follow the money, it shows how broken the incentive structure is in our country and how nefarious things have happened. And it's not saying that all the people that are involved are all evil. There is absolutely evil in this world. I believe that. And there are some really hideous things that would make your skin crawl that I have gotten into that sometimes I wish I wouldn't have. Ignorance is bliss. But that's not for this podcast. But there are some really disgusting things that once you see that, it's like, okay, well, there's no like just saying, oh yeah, I'm going to put the blinders back on. It's done at that point. So it's a long way to say there are a number of different things. But I think being a dad... Um, COVID, and then Bitcoin, those three things all in kind of like an 18 month period. It's just so much. And I think history will look back at that period as being a spot where for a lot of people, if they have courage, they'll come out and say, you know what, I don't agree with that. And I have changed my mind. I believe, and it's not a quote from me, but the a sign of intelligence is changing your mind when presented with new information. And that's historically what science was. And science was always about pushing limits and questioning and going. And it used to be that questioning authority was a good thing. And all of a sudden that's not anymore. And you're demonized for that. So, I mean, America as a culture has historically been a place of disagreeable people that had authoritarian tendencies from another nation put on them. They said, go to hell and we're going to fight back. And I think it's not that there needs to be this nasty blood spilling events, right? It can just be a peaceful revolution of people saying like, I'm going to opt out of this garbage. I'm going to make changes in my personal life, in my local community, and maybe even in the state level. And I think you can do big things there. The federal level to me is hopeless. So what we can do at a local community level, that matters. That will make a difference for the life for you and your family. And then if you think you can do more, do more. But I think just having the courage to stand up for what you actually believe in and not cowering away from it, hopefully more people see that that's the right answer and respect people that do that, even if they don't respect their opinion. And that is something that we've lost. So 
we can disagree and we can still be friends and we can go have a beer and grill and chat and, and have fun. It doesn't need to be that, you know, I hate my neighbor because they don't agree with me or they fly a flag of something that they don't like. It's like, come on, guys. So all that to be said, long-winded answer of, yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, even answer my question in that because I was going to ask you, you know, because I get this question a lot too is, well, if you believe the government is out to get us and big pharma is just out to make us sick and they're using food to make us sicker, how do you stay positive? Why don't you just give up? Like, why did you have children and bring them in this world? And it's just like, I feel like you already just answered that. It's how you inside yourself deal with that. And you come at it with, I'm going to be my most authentic self. I'm going to be positive. And maybe that's going to start being reflected in my local community or for those who want to in the state level. If you don't start with that change in here and just opening yourself up to it, you can't get there. Yeah, it shouldn't be a black pill. And I think a lot of people can hear that and it can be a black pill. But I am I am as optimistic on humanity as I can, because I do think the times where people try to make it the darkest or the, they turn the screws too much they, and I'll use they, and I'm not going to define it because we're not going to go for another 60 minutes on all these things, but there are individuals and organizations around the globe that have agendas that I don't think are pro-freedom and, and pro-human values, right? And so with that, you need to understand that it is dark, but it does not mean that it cannot come back. And I think ultimately good does win. And I think that's the one thing that you have to understand and what's good. And I, I get that that's a definition that needs to dig into more. But it's one of those things where if you're losing control, you try to clamp down harder to show that you have more authority. And I think we're in that moment where in an age where technology and information can spread quicker, you can hold people accountable. We're back in the day, right? When it was just the newspaper, right? How would you ever check anything? How would you ever push back? How would you ever study things? And I think today, as bad as social media can be at times, Social media can also be a really good tool for freedom. And I think the censorship that happened again and knowing how bad the censorship was, that was another eye-opening thing that people kind of know, but pretty bad, pretty dark, guys. And so I always encourage people to think of if the worst person that you can think of is then in control of everything, is that a good thing? And the answer is always no, right? No one wants that. So how do you then create a more resilient and robust self where you're not as fragile to those situations. And it starts with take care of yourself, take care of your family. How do you eat? How do you get your food? All these things to where it's like, you know what? Be as resilient as possible. You're not going to be perfect. And it's baby steps. And it's one decision, one decision, one decision, one decision. But yeah, I am pro lots of good things going on in the future. Uh, as much as people may think I'm very <laughs> dark and, and twisted with like not not positive but yeah definitely a lot of options for the way that the world is going to be created for the next 80 to 100 years is going to be happening in the next decade and so there's lots of decisions that need to be made and choices need to be made of what kind of world do you want your kids or grandkids or yourself to grow up in and if you want to have more freedom you're going to have to stand up for yourself and have a little bit more courage and i know for some people it's easier and for others it's harder but you need to be a part of that and that's where the community and the the family and the just the even the state level stuff is important. So yeah, those are my thoughts. <laughs> I have really, really enjoyed this conversation. I've appreciated your thoughts that you shared even, even prior to recording and just being willing to come and share some of the stuff. Because again, having views that are not consensus that can make people be like, Ooh, I don't like that person because they said that 
it's not always easy. And I appreciate that. And I, part of what I've always said on the podcast is I'm willing to have a conversation with anyone that wants to have any point of view. And as long as we can have a back and forth, I might agree more with one person than the other and that's okay. But it's not for me to then say, oh, that person can't come on and they can't talk. So again, if someone's listening and they don't like things that were said and they have a very different view, I am happy to engage with anyone else that wants to have a conversation. But I just want to say thanks and appreciate it. And I think a lot of people will get a lot out of it. So best of luck as you open your hospital. And as we close, where is the best way to kind of follow along, ask you questions, connect? Where would you send people? Yeah. So as of right now, the most I'm doing is on my own personal social media account and it's dr.jess.dbm. And then I also have, I'm starting a social media account for the clinic that we're opening as well. And it's just at Ridgeview Vet Clinic. Eventually my goal will be to like start a YouTube. I mean, maybe even start a podcast, but for now I'm just going to enjoy all of the challenges I've given myself at the moment and just soak it all in. And maybe that will happen in the future. Maybe it won't, but yeah, for now, just on my Instagram. And then um, through that, like I have an email set up. You can go to my link. I have a website. Like you can always email me. Email or through Instagram direct message is the easiest way to get a hold of me. Perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed this and getting to chat with you. Thanks for listening to today's show. The comments made on today's show should not be taken as investment tax or legal advice. All comments are for educational purposes only. However, you are intelligent enough to make decisions for yourself. So I do encourage you to dig in, learn for yourself, and not just outsource every decision that you make. You should talk to your professional team if you have one before implementing anything that I talk about, but also make sure they know what they're talking about. Push them, question them. That's healthy. That's okay. Oh yeah. And you should probably own and learn a little bit about that Bitcoin thing. The biggest compliment you can give to me is to share the show with a friend or the podcast if there's another episode that you really like. That helps folks find it. That helps it grow. Um, reviews are critical. The Apple Podcast is the platform that's predominantly used for how people find the show. So if you have three minutes, love the show, please head over, give us five stars if you believe that's what we earned. That would help more people find the show. Also, if you're new, go to YouTube. It's a channel, uh, putting up all the videos there as well. Sometimes it's going to be more interactive. Other times it's just going to be the conversation. So vainly, I want to get 100 subscribers so I get the vanity URL. That's the goal. We're on our way, but not quite there yet. For all of today's links information, head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. There you can also subscribe via your favorite podcast platform so you won't miss any episodes in the future. And finally, if you'd like more information, insights, or have the ability to, for your voice to be heard, join the Facebook group. You can search for the Veterinarian Success Podcast on Facebook or head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. Scroll to the bottom, about your host, click on the Facebook icon. And thanks again for listening. I appreciate you. All right. So there are a lot of great job postings that I want to get to. And so we're going to start off with Bayside Hospital for Animals. Great work-life balance in beautiful Fort Walton Beach, Florida. No weekends, Monday to Friday, eight to five, no on-call or emergencies. It's appointment only here. Currently a two and a half doctor practice, new owner in 2021, bringing some fresh life into the hospital. The new owner had been there for six years prior working, so definitely understands the team, the processes in the community. Lots of investment in people and new equipment. ProSal is the pay structure. Far too many benefits for me to list. Email BaysideVet251 at Yahoo or call 850-864-1857. Join a thriving, growing, small animal practice in Vermont on the Quebec border. Full-time ideal, part-time is considered. The idea is to start with yes with the team, patients and clients in outdoor women's paradise while uh, being able to practice high-quality medicine. 
compensation is write your own structure within production capabilities. Literally, it is the owner wants to find the right person and is happy to negotiate, chat through and find the right fit. If you want autonomy and a boss that enjoys teaching, reach out to Newport Veterinary Hospital. You can email newportveterinaryhospital at gmail.com. North Central Indiana, looking for an oasis in the chaos. Who isn't, right? Come join the amazing team at Fulton County Veterinary Clinic. They strive to foster a fun, fast-paced work environment while providing quality patient care. They utilize the support staff efficiently so that the doctor is available to practice medicine and do what you're trained to do in less time and paperwork, which is great. Lots of investment in new equipment and technology to support you, full-time or part-time available. Small animal and exotics are both seen there, so no ER. No on-call, no weekends, competitive salary with sign-on bonus offered, and far too many benefits to list. Go to Fulton County Veterinary Clinic. So type that in and you'll find the job posting there. Last but not least, join Watertown Animal Hospital, personable, small animal veterinarian wanted for well-established current five-doctor mixed animal practice in northern New York, which is an outdoors person's paradise. Again, two of those. So if you like the outdoors, you can look at Vermont or New York. They have plenty of support staff with six CSRs six licensed technicians, four animal caretakers, two technical assistants, a hospital associate, or sorry, hospital assistant, a practice manager, and a bookkeeper. Focuses on mentorship and investment on the people and the technology. That's been a strategic initiative by the leadership team. No on-call, a 24-hour ER less than an hour away. Salary based on experience, but no less than 95000 Can be straight salary, pro-sal considered. Want to discuss that with the right person. Tons of benefits. Again, too much to list. Please reach out to Watertown petcare.com for that option as well. So again, if you find a role or a job or talk to anyone and it helps you in any way, I would love to hear that feedback. So please reach out, let me know what you're able to do. And I will continue to post these. So if you are an owner, reach out to me, let me know, and we'll go from there. And until I hit a capacity of, I can't keep recording these, I want to let people know who are high quality owners around the country looking for great help. So with that, we'll talk soon.